If there's one thing that leadership tends to bring for almost all of us, it is some level of stress. On today's episode, how to reduce stress through the practice of meditation. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 247. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And I'm so glad that you've tuned in today because today's guest is someone that's uh, come to me from a connection from one of our listeners. And I always love getting connected with folks out there that are part of the Coaching for Leaders community. And particularly today's guest, because he brings a perspective to us that I know is going to be helpful in just how we frame the world, how we look internally, and really how we practice what we're doing internally. And we're going to look at meditation and mindfulness today. And I'm really thrilled to be able to welcome Chase Carey. Chase spent 20 years in corporate America's health insurance and consulting industry in significant leadership positions, and he teaches his personally developed advanced forms of meditation and is the author of Chasing Meditation, the step-by-step guide to a stress-free life through meditation. Chase, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, Chase, I think we should probably mention up front here that, and I think in a good way, the world has changed a little bit around meditation and meditative practices. I know sometimes people think of this as kind of a woo-woo hippie sort of stuff. And I noticed in your bio that you were a VP at one of the big insurance carriers back in the 90s, and you were trying to get Mm -hmm. your company to embrace this practices. And tell me what happened with that. You know, I had really uncanny access to people. We were a smaller company that eventually was purchased by a much larger company. And I reached out to the medical director, the head medical guy and the CFO and a couple other people. And I said, hey, you know, I'm a big believer in meditation and complementary and alternative medicine. And let's face it, um, much of the healthcare in the United States is delivered by insurance companies, or at least we have access through it. And that was through an email. And it was a very quiet 48 hours. And I didn't hear anything back. Then I got back a very nice email that said, hey, Chase, we, we, we hear you. We really believe uh, what you're talking about makes a lot of sense. But quite frankly, just too far ahead of us. 18 years later, that company is now teaching their employees meditation. And from what I understand, um, at least a third of them have been taught. We're talking about an organization with 20 or 30,000 employees. Wow, that's impressive. And, and that is this just a great story because it really does highlight how the thinking on this have, has changed to being a a practice that's maybe more of on the fringe to a practice that a lot of business people are starting to see as, if not essential, at least helpful to how they think about the world and how they are successful and how they focus. And and yet, Chase, I, I wonder if maybe we could start off by making the business case for this, because I think that people, a lot of people appreciate meditation from the standpoint of just their own personal health and happiness. But I know that there is a business case for this, too. And that's why so many organizations are starting to look at this. Where do you see this coming into play from a from a results standpoint when you're thinking about the businesses you serve? 
Dave, it's really a matter of accelerating phenomenal results. I am so passionate about this because I use it in the corporate world. I was VP of underwriting at probably what's a Fortune 100 company, and I used it to solve math problems. I used it to solve creative problems when it came around designing better problems for clients and internal in the company. And, it, you know, back in the 70s, it was, you know, kind of the hippies. And I don't want to scare you, but I'm pretty sure in high school I had a that said love on it. And I <laughs> had pretty long hair. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It drove my mom crazy. But it wasn't for 20 more years until I started learning meditation. And I started at the Monroe Institute. And it's all about how can I make you better at what you do. Uh, for my own personal time in corporate America, and not to you know wave sunshine all over me, but my results were unparalleled. And I did meditate, and I did have some kind of necklace on, which I never thought anything about it, but other people did. But one of the senior people pulled me aside one time, and he said, and I mean, Dave, we're talking 20 years ago or so when I started. Like, yeah, you know, you look a little weird, but my God, we've never seen results like this in the history of our company. Oh, interesting. And so they put up with me for a while, and that's really what I want to help your listeners do. I want them easy way to make their business life, and if they wish, their personal lives as well, that much better. All right. Well, that sounds really good to me. And I, I know we have many people in our audience who have tried meditation, if not done it regularly, but have certainly are familiar with it. But we also have folks who have never tried it. And, uh, I, and just so we, I can help people get a sense of what it's like and, and some of the benefits that would come from it, uh, give us an example of what would be a way, and particularly when you, know, you, you were in your business position, how would you use meditation in order to embrace and even think about, and I don't even know the right terminology to use, but to really approach a business issue that you were facing? Gotcha. Let me start off by clarifying what meditation is. I, I don't want your listeners to change jobs, change religions, or change spouses because they choose to meditate. I wouldn't change any of those things if you started going to the gym or running or riding a bike or doing other physical activities. Meditation just makes your life better. It primarily focuses on the mental and emotional aspects. And in my particular forms of meditation, accelerating forms, I work directly with a subconscious mind. So that said, let's also talk about what meditation really is. Meditation is the simplest thing you'll ever do in your life, although it's a little tricky to get good at it. It's relaxing your body, quieting your mind, and then moving into an expanded state of awareness. And we can talk more about an expanded state of awareness later but everybody already spontaneously uh, experiences them, whether it's lucid dreaming, whether they're in the athletic zone, or whether they have that great idea in the shower. So I ask your listeners to take a moment and consider if they started out their day with 10 minutes of just being quiet and not trying to plan and not trying to think, keep a clear mind and feel good, and then walk into their day. When you have a complex problem, are you going to be better if you're stressed and you go from problem to problem to problem, or are you going to be better at it if you take a few minutes, clear your mind, remove any emotions from it, particularly for those of us that work in businesses or corporations, 
There's so many personalities that get involved with decisions we make. So what I would do is I would get quiet. I would turn off the lights in my office. I still have ambient light. I'd focus on my breathing. I'd clear my mind. And then I'd ask for help. And nobody in white robes or any other outfit came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Chase, here's the answer. It came through my mind just like it did with anything else, but it came more easily and more clearly. And it's, this is hard to explain, Dave, but this part of it, what also came is I had a greater understanding of what was going on. I don't know if people can grasp that or not. It's a little tricky without experiencing it. But in short, if people have ever thought about the times where problem solving came to them like child's play, where they could turn creativity on just like an on-demand movie, um, that's more what you get with meditation. And uh, the last thing I'll say on this point is I really don't care what people's experiences are in meditation, and I don't mean that harshly. Meditation is not about what happens in meditation. It's all about what happens in your external life. So Chase, I really appreciate that explanation. And I have meditated before, and I, I should say, I don't do it currently. And this conversation may change that <laughs> as we go forward sure. here. And the way I've thought about meditation is very similar to what you've just described. And, it was, and it's been described to me is a process of just emptying your mind. And, and, and I'm, that's probably an oversimplification of it. It's not. That's exactly what you have to do. Because everything we do all day long, there's other stuff in our mind. And so we really have a chance to really hear ourselves. Got it. Got it. So here's the thing that I found that's really interesting is it's that simple in some ways. But it's also like our minds are really squishy and loud and noisy. And it, and it is. I found it's very hard. Um, and now, especially being out of practice, I was, I was trying it just a couple of days ago, thinking about our conversation, just to stop and to really empty your mind of any thought at all is really a challenge. And so um, what do you, just from a practical standpoint, when, you're, when people are starting this for the first time and have not really had any experience with this, what are some of the things that they can do that just it, that just is a first step? Sure. The first thing they can do is make sure when they choose their meditative space, it's uninterrupted. It's not a place where kids or spouse or neighbors or lawnmower noises or anything else is going to interfere with what they're doing. And if you're at home with a family, just make sure it's, you know, kids know it's mom or dad's time. And just start with that 10 minutes and don't get frustrated. Sit comfortably. I actually lie down a lot when I meditate. You will fall asleep if you do that. So that can be more challenging. But just get yourself in a nice, comfortable, quiet space with lower levels of lighting, an eye mask if you wish, and start to practice. And I'll give your listeners a couple of hints as to or techniques that I use to help students learning to quiet their mind more quickly. It is important to understand that our minds are made to problem solve, and they're really, really good at it. But they're also kind of like antennas. They pick up all the information on billboards. They pick up all the information on the internet. They pick up all the information on TV. And as we go through our busy lives these days, we have between, scientists say, between 50 and 60,000 thoughts a day. And most all of those thoughts 
are thoughts that create some level of stress. It could be as simple as I have to pick up the kids. I have to get this project done for a client. Uh, my boss is going to be in town tomorrow and I know he or she is looking for such and such. Or it can be, hey, let's pick up the milk, let's get the tire changed, whatever it is. But none of these scary things we think of throughout the day really ever happen. The really bad stuff in our life, and I don't want to talk about bad things, things in life that do happen, we don't predict them. So let me give a couple of techniques. First, I have to give a shout out to the Monroe Institute where I learned. They use uh, patented audio technology that puts you into deep meditative states within seconds. I kid you not. And it works phenomenal. Other things I do help people to understand that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to pay attention to it. And it doesn't mean you have to come up with a conclusion or an emotional response to it. Start to view a thought as simply a thing. Don't make it a good thing. Don't make it a bad thing. Don't make it a happy thing. Don't make it a sad thing. It's just a thing. And kind of let it do its thing, but move it out of your perspective. Some people like to put the thought or visualize putting the thought onto a leaf, and that leaf floats down to a stream, and the stream goes away. At Monroe, they teach us to put those thoughts into boxes. Putting the thoughts into boxes tend to work better with linear people. Uh, people that work with the creative side of their brain more so, having the thoughts float onto a leaf and float away. Well, I really like that perspective. I, I know I've run into the case where I can have the passing thought about something, and then that passing thought leads to something else, and then leads to something else. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do this, or oh, this person didn't get back to me. And then all of a sudden, 10 minutes has gone by, and I'm so worked up or angry or frustrated or concerned about something. And it's really the reality hasn't changed at all. But I'm I'm emotionally like a a different person and and it really does impact my not only my productivity during that time, but it impacts the way I show up in the next conversation with the next person. And so it really, if, if that's not controlled, I don't think any of us can ever control that 100% of the time, but if that's not controlled and we're not aware of that, it really can take over our day. Yeah, and let me ask you, Dave, when you get affected emotionally, is it a draining emotion or is it a, a pump-up emotion? It's usually a draining emotion. It's something that either is a frustration or something I'm upset about or something I'm concerned about and that I really can't do anything about, but it's like that's just my brain's way, I guess, of trying to do something about it. Right, right. And then, as you just said, you enter the next project or the next conversation. Many of us, the first 10 minutes, you're really thinking about how you feel and how annoyed you are with this other stuff that just happened. And the person in front of you is not getting the attention that they need. Right. And maybe that's a subordinate. Maybe that's a boss. Maybe that's a client. And these are all absolutely normal human responses. I can't kid you. It does take training. But it, it's not like going to Marine boot camp. Try it out. Spend 10 minutes a day. And when people start to get distracted with thoughts, because you mentioned it, you start to go with these different layers. What was the movie? Was it Inception where people went into dreams within dreams within dreams? And sooner or later, you just lost the original purpose. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that very well, that we start to get taken down a path by our thoughts, which really aren't helping us. Yeah. So I ask people to come back and just notice their breath. 
noticing your breath takes you right back into the moment. And that's where mindfulness really starts. Well, and I've found that to be helpful even outside of the practice of meditation. Those of us who are parents in the coaching for leaders community will appreciate this. There are times that you're waiting for children to do things, <laughs> get ready or <laughs> follow directions, or you're sitting there and you're waiting for someone to brush their teeth. And I've, yeah. I've found that I'm way more the kind of person I want to show up as when I, rather than then get frustrated in that moment if I can just sit down and notice my breath. And I'm not I'm not meditating per se because there's interruptions happening. But if I sit down and notice my breath, things happen faster and I keep my calm more. And, uh, and the same is true in a lot of other situations in life too. If I just stop and I, I love the advice of just noticing your breath because if you do that, it does center you and it calms you in a way that is really helpful. You know, I love the parent example because you can't rush a child brushing their teeth. You can't rush them washing their hands. You can't rush them putting their toys away. Don't think I don't try though, Chase. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think I don't try. I was much older than your kids, so I kind of learned that a long time ago. But, you know, it does give you the opportunity to just sit there and smile because they're just in a perfect space all the time. And they know what the right tempo is. And so those are beautiful examples. And, and you know, Dave, it's not any more complex than that. Mm. Well, and that, that's, a, that's a good lead into one of the things I was thinking about. And you had sent over when we were talking over email and notes is that a lot of times people think that they need to get really fancy with this. And like you were saying, like, like, do I need to change my entire religious belief system or go get a membership at a studio? And, and, and really, you don't need to do that. And in fact, I would even argue it's probably better if people don't approach it that way of, of like, how can you start from a from a really small step? And I'm, I'm thinking back to some of the past conversations we've had about creating new habits on this show, Chase, and, and that, and, and in fact, meditation was cited as one of the examples of when people try to meditate for something, you know, a crazy amount of time for like 30 or 45 minutes that they, they find that that's a, that's not a good starting point where if you can actually set a goal of meditate for two minutes or three minutes or four minutes, that that's a much better starting point and people have much more success long-term by starting oh, sure, small. Sure. You know, how many times have we heard where people go off to a, join a gym and they get a personal trainer and the personal trainer tries to prove their Hercules and the person comes home and they're sore for five days and they don't go back. Mm-hmm. You're right. Start with little pieces. Two minutes is phenomenal. One of the tricks I use, Dave, is because I, I have a busy life like other people. I'm fortunate and I mostly get to work from a home office, but I do have several phone lines. And as you heard things buzzing around me, and um, so stuff does go on. When I go to meditate, the way I transition out of it is I'll listen to my favorite song on my iPhone for a minute or two or three minutes. And maybe I'll listen to it twice. And that, you know, I'm not thinking of anything except that song, but by the time I've heard it once or twice, I'm now ready to start working on quieting my mind. Mm. So, so it's just a, it's a strategy of just being intentional about the inputs that are coming into your life and into your work and, and taking action to change those inputs to get the, to get the kind of mental state you want. Right. And it's absolutely a discipline. But it's a discipline wrapped around a technique that's kind of amorphous, and we don't always know exactly what it's like. I recently got my uh, first degree black belt in Taekwondo, and one of the things they teach you from day one when you go in and earn your white belt 
They say a black belt is nothing other than a white belt who never gave up. Mm. And many of the moves you do during the black belt tests are moves you learn day one. But two or three years down the road when you take your black belt test, you're a lot better at those moves. So don't have expectations that, you know, the first day or two or first week or two that you meditate, that you're going to be perfect at it. You're not. And, you know, particularly when you start out, if you get into it in three minutes, four minutes, and you just can't quiet your mind, give up. Go throw a baseball, go watch TV, have a beer, whatever works for you. Surf the internet, go back to work. It shouldn't be punishment. As professionals, having discipline around it will produce results. Because how do we get results in life? Actions create results. I love the analogy with the black belt too. It's a, such a great analogy for leadership too, of no one expects to be a phenomenal, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but m- most people don't expect to be a phenomenal leader overnight. It's a constant process of learning and failure and being a student, which is one of the things we, we all try to do on in the conversations on this show. And you know, why should meditation be any different or any other skill that's worth doing? Because the, the benefits are there. I mean, the, the research is pretty pretty settled on this of how much people can benefit from meditation. And yet, and yet we put up these obstacles because we, we assume we should be good at it right away. And, and, and to that point, Chase, I'm wondering, you know, we've talked about some of them, but what are some of the common obstacles that people run into or when people run into when they try to start meditating that, you know, they should be aware of and be like, oh yeah, that's a common obstacle. And, and, and that's something to work through rather than to give up and try something else. Sure. One of them is being comfortable with how you're seated. Many people you'll see seated, seated cross-legged with their hands holding their fingers in a certain way. Those are called mudras, M-U-D-R-A. Uh, I use them. They're not necessary to start. You certainly look cooler when you're doing it. But well, don't part of life is how it. cool you look, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some, you know, there is some value in Facebook when you do that. Um, but you don't have to do that. That's the, the no. that's the point. Is you know, you yeah. don't. That's that's up to you, but that's not necessary for getting into this. No, and and when I meditate, I grab a T-shirt out of my closet. I have a couple of favorite T-shirts. Many of them I got out in Arizona, and I put on a pair of shorts and I put on socks because my feet get cold. And that's how I meditate. And I just go and I sit in my space. I'm fortunate in that I have a room where I can meditate. Uh, The other thing is, boy, don't get hung up on not being able to quiet the mind. You may never fully be able to quiet the mind. But as you practice, you'll get better and better and better at it. And what you're going for is that stillness. As you get distracted, simply focus back on your breath. Focus back on your breath. So if you have, oh, I got to get gas on the way home. Oh, and then I need to, whoop, whoop, I'm over there. What am I doing over there? Let me come back and focus on my breath. Focus on my breath. Oh, I've got to listen to Dave's podcast today. And that reminds me, I wanted to invite three other, oh, oh, back to my breath. Back to my breath. Nice, nice. I love it. And it, it is there's so much that comes from that. I and mean, we had Cal Newport on the show recently, Chase. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but he's got a book out now called Deep Work. And he talks about how to really That's get pro- pro- productive and to focus. And one of the things he advocates for is, you know, 
get comfortable being bored once in a while and just emptying your mind and not stimulating your mind with being around a device or social media or whatever, and how that then gets your mind much more focused and able to focus on work when you have it in front of you and not being distracted and always going in all kinds of different directions. And I've thought a lot about that in the last few weeks and how how valuable that is of just thinking about my own productivity. And I, I love that you're zeroing on the exact same thing. I love that, Dave. You know, my wife and I, we go out to restaurants and we do play with our devices, but we are starting to practice where we don't play with them as much. And we kind of sit there and look at each other and we're kind of like, okay, but gosh, that's what we did in the old days. And the old days were, what were they, five or six years ago? Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I really like what he's saying. Um, There's a lot to be said with just being still. Yeah, we don't do that very much in our society these days. And we've got so much competing for our attention. And um, so whether it's meditating or or even making some choices of what the inputs are, like you were talking about, or what the environment is, or or even like you were saying, I, I, and I love the advice of just getting somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted for a little bit. You know, if you're a business leader or a coach or a professional, you need some space just to be quiet. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you don't have to have the open door open all the time <laughs> in no, order to do something. Yeah, that gets, I mean, that was pretty cool in the 80s and 90s, but it gets a little old after a while because... There are relationships and organizations that need to be followed. Yeah, indeed. Well, one of the things I'm I'm really curious about, uh, Chase, is for people who want to do more with this and would like to maybe start to do a little bit of meditation in practice or, or looking for that first step or a guide, what are some things that would be good starting points that, that you have available, either your book or on your website, that would be uh, a place where people could begin that journey? Sure, Absolutely. I certainly recommend my book, Chase and Meditation. It's the first book and only book, so far as I know, on meditation for professionals. It's a step-by-step guide, chapter four, steps one, two, and three. And then if you want to get deeper, there's steps four and five. And then if you really want to get into a crazy but crazy good results, the further chapters. Just take those steps to not get scared. Of course, people can also go to my website, which is chasingmeditation.com. I do corporate trainings. I do trainings for executive teams and professionals. I'm particularly helpful when professionals or executives, they have all the resources they need to solve problems, but for some reason, that problem's not getting solved. There tends to be uh, a subconscious resistance to that. Uh, Also, I do one-on-one trainings. It can be over Skype. It can be over the phone or I can do webinars for companies as well. I don't want people to be scared of it, and I don't want people to feel they have to change religions. Uh, I want people to be confident. I People do face, you know, every now and then somebody looks and says, oh, you meditate? Yeah, okay, Ooh, whatever. You know, I live in the South, uh, you know. Can't go too far outside of Metro Atlanta and talk about meditation too much. Uh, but you got to be willing to put up with that. Yeah. You know, I don't remember who said it, Dave, but someone said that the pioneer is the one with the arrows in their back. Mm. And that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Well, and I, what I really appreciate about your work, Chase, is how practical it is. So you're not out on a meditative retreat on a hill somewhere having people travel around the world and, and do week-long you know, retreats. It's It's how do we 
bring the real benefits that we know meditation brings from the research and from all of the things that we we hear in the literature now. And how do you make it practical in the in, in the reality of the professional lives that so many of us lead? And so I really appreciate that real practical perspective you lead. It's one of the things I really like about your material so much when we got introduced. So I hope folks will uh, will check out the book. And of course, we're going to put links to everything Chase has mentioned in the website here as well as a starting point for you if you want, like me, to think about how you might do this a little bit Start off a little bit of try a few minutes a day and to start getting some of these benefits and to start taking control of those thoughts. Chase, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, for for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, Dave. You do great stuff for us, and I'm one of your biggest followers. Chase Carey is the author of Chasing Meditation, the step-by-step guide to a stress-free life through meditation. Thanks again, Chase. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chase, for your expertise. And if you haven't tried meditation before, I'd uh, encourage you to give it a go and try for just a couple of minutes. Set the bar pretty low and give yourself a chance to get used to it. It, it is harder than it seems. It seems like it should be pretty easy to empty one's mind of all thoughts and provide some space for your brain to just be. It's hard, especially when you first start doing it and take some time to work up to that point. Just start for a minute or two and let us know what you discover as you do it. Go over to coachingforleaders.com slash 247s where you can join the conversation for this show. And as always, our Q&A show is coming up next week. So if you have questions that you'd like us to consider for our monthly Q&A show, which is on the first Monday of every month, Anything related to leadership is fair game. Go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. We would love to consider your question as well. And speaking of Mondays, this show does air every Monday. So if you're not already subscribed, please do so either on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening to. And I hope you'll also take a moment while you're online, if you haven't already, to join the weekly leadership guide. There's thousands of people now who receive that every Wednesday. And each Wednesday, you'll get an email from me that has all of the notes from the show, the resources that each guest mentions, or the resources that Bonnie and I mentioned on the Q&A shows. So you'll get that in your inbox on Wednesdays, along with a number of other articles and resources and reading I've been doing online or things I've tracked down online, other podcast episodes that I think will be helpful to you in your continued leadership development between the shows. And when you join the Weekly Leadership Guide, you will get access also to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries from me on the value of each one of those books. It's an 11-page guide, and there's also a nine-minute video that comes with that. If that's something that you'd like to get access to, go over to Coaching for Leaders dot com slash subscribe and join us in our ongoing dialogue about how we can all become more effective as leaders and thank you also this week to more folks out in the uk i don't know what's going on over across the pond there but thanks so much for all of you in the uk who've been writing wonderful reviews on itunes this week thank you to phil 0667 and fipsy 68 guessing that may not be your real name but thank you so much for the really kind uh review oh it says jeff there <laughs> at the end thanks jeff i really appreciate you taking the time to write uh some wonderful thoughts about the show if you've been listening for a bit and feel like you've 
Got a good sense to review the show? Go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. I always appreciate getting those. Thanks so much. Have a great week and see you next Monday for the Q&A show. Take care.